Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am apparently somewhere deep in the South, and uh, my name is Sam with Fowser Consulting. And I am in the non-frozen tundra known as Michigan, Drew, with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Drew, on today's episode, we've, we've talked in the past, I think, unless I've just talked about it in a workshop, but we've talked about the five steps to great on-the-job training, creating a positive atmosphere, previewing the task, demonstrating the task, practicing the task, and rewards and recognition or feedback and recognition. And I think today what we should talk about is what rewards look like. As we travel around the country, I seem to see, and, and I would guess that you see the same thing, is sometimes people have the wrong idea of what recognizing team members means and how little things can go a long, long way. It's amazing you say that because in my Better Visits Today class, we talk about because there's three types of visits, but technically there's a fourth and the fourth is celebrate that if they've done what you've asked, asked them to do or trained them to do, you should reward them some way. And the activity is I have varying prices, like free, less than a buck, less than five bucks, less than 25 bucks per person. I even have an, oh my God, because, you know, franchisees take their team to Vegas and that's significantly more than 25 bucks a person. And it's amazing to me how free they've got a high five, elbow bumps, whatever. But once you get past free and you're not to like, oh my God, it's really rough on them to come up with things to reward their team that aren't aren't monster energy drinks, which are bad for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's a personal opinion. I've got doctor friends, but that's a personal opinion. Yeah. 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 So when we talk about rewards, I think one thing that's really, really important to remember about rewards is who your target audience is because a reward to one person, not be a reward to someone else. And I think it depends on where they're at. And for me, a story that I've maybe told on the pod or maybe not, I, you know, I was a, a franchisee from 1993 to 1999. So I was a franchisee for six years. And obviously it didn't end the way I would have liked it to, or I would have been a franchisee for longer than six years. In the first four or five years, I had very extravagant rewards for my team members. Because I was basing the value of the reward on my value system. So Christmas would come and they would get custom swag with our company name on it. And I would go all out. In the fifth or sixth year, when cash flow turned into cash drip on good weeks uh, and was non-existent on most weeks, I still wanted to reward and recognize my team. So I printed off pizza certificates because quite frankly that's all i could afford i i had no money whatsoever and i was overwhelmed when they opened up their christmas bonus and it was you know 
two large pizzas or four large pizzas. I don't remember what it was. It was 25 years ago. And they came to me and they said, this is great because I can feed my family tonight and I can be, I can be the important one in the family. And I thought to myself, you big dummy, you spent all this money on custom made swag and they enjoyed it, but you could have been giving them pizzas all along. Or when I had a crew meeting. I could have gone out and got a dozen donuts and orange juice or milk or coffee. And they still would have known that I cared about them. And it would have been something that they would have appreciated as much as the extravagant things. Knowing the audience is key if you're going to reward. And I like where you're, so you're doing some of the rewards you just talked about based on time of year. And I, when I'm teaching the class, I do it based on, I jokingly say, make the, crime fit the time or make right make the time fit the crime i think that's what i say because if you got your first record week in 30 years a high five probably isn't good enough yeah that's that's a bigger crime for that amount of time on the flip side and it's and this is the activity this is actually the way i say it on the flip side seven record weeks in a row a high five might do it because it come becomes commonplace and the the luster kind of wears off right so i like where you're going with and, and no, a high five doesn't do it. I'm just using it for purposes of this example. Um, I like where you're going with it, that, that you got to know who the audience is. Can I jump in for just a second? Because we t- I talk about when I, we talk about the five steps of on the job training and we get to feedback and recognition. I tell the folks that I get the opportunity to be up in front of that. The size and scope of the celebration should be directly proportional to the size and scope of the accomplishment or the amount of time that they've been doing the task. That's the underlying same message for me. Yeah, I thought it was. And what I mean by that is if you and I were to walk into a pizza store tonight and one of us was working the make line and one of us was working the oven, I can almost guarantee you that the oven tender, whichever one of us it was, would tell the pizza maker, whichever one it was, that, hey, the pies look great because we know the importance of that. But what we wouldn't do is say, hey, man, everybody come look at this pizza that Sam made or this pizza that Drew made. Isn't it great? But by the same token, if we were in that store tonight and somebody was making pizza for the very first time and a great pizza come out came out of the oven, I can almost guarantee that if you're on the oven or I'm on the oven, we are going to say, Buddy, come look at this pizza that Joey made. This is amazing. Spot on. That's how you create a culture of people caring what they're doing because you show them that it matters. Now, in our hours of pre-show prep. Oh, we, multiple hours today. Crazy. Yeah, we were discussing how when it comes to classes, we differ. You have a prize table. I do not. I I haven't done a prize table, not because I don't value it, but the size of my class, because I'm usually teaching supervisors. So the size of my class is usually only five or six people. Sure. And participation is kind of easy when it's five or six people. It can be. Your classes are generally. Yeah, I'm usually in that 10 to 20 range. And you do a prize table. I do a prize table. Would you mind getting into that for our listeners? Because I think your prize table and how you execute the prize table could be used by our listeners with a little bit of ingenuity. It's kind of a two-pronged approach why I do a prize table. The first one is I want them to walk out with something to remember our time together 
and to make them want to come back the next time. So if I were a general manager and I was doing an in-store training for a product that rolled out, I mean, let's say that Tots just rolled out and I want to bring the whole team in and teach them at once. I might think about having some sort of prizes for them to do it. And as I'm, uh, I'm talking this through, I remember in show prep, we said, you know, if you're doing a product training, the prize could be the product. They could take the product home once they've learned how to make it and they could tell their significant other, their family that, hey, this is the product I learned how to make today and here it is. So I like that. So that's one reason I do prizes. And the other reason I do prizes is I always start in the morning when we begin with a list of expectations. Be on time, turn your phone off and participate. And there's a couple of reasons why I want them to participate. You and I have been doing this long enough to know that the worst thing you can possibly ask an operator to do is to sit in a room all day and listen to guys like you and me because they're operators and they're used to being on their feet and they're used to moving around. And if we don't keep them engaged, then they fall asleep. So I say, I want you to participate today because the only way you get something out of this is if you put something in. And if you're not willing to participate, and then I'll just stop and I'll look at the prize table and then I'll look at them. I'll say, I am willing to pay you. And it gets a chuckle. I mean, it's a dad laugh chuckle. And I always tell them, I don't care if you're laughing at me or laughing with me, as long as you're laughing, I know you heard me. But people start to get excited about the prizes, which means they start to get excited about participating so that they can have an opportunity to win the prizes. And then the prizes serve as an extra vehicle for me to help keep them engaged. And I think we could do that in the stores if we're teaching something. Hey, if you make a great pizza today, you get to go home with one. If you learn how to do tots the right way, you get to go home with an order of tots. Or, you know, the first time a manager in training does inventory and there's no data entry or counting mistakes, you know, I'm going to give you a Domino's pizza tumbler so you can keep your, your drinks cold or something. But I think prizes can serve a significant purpose in the development that you're trying to, to give your teams. If I hear you correctly, look at, look at the way you've laid that out. It's actually really nice for the team, right? You have your example, participation gets you a prize. Now, in the show prep, you mentioned that some of the prizes are significant, like a very nice backpack. Yeah. And some of the prizes are books because you and I talk a lot about books and we talk about having them on, in the backpack or on the table, right? Right. And then some of them, I would assume, are like stickers, right? Because I still want them to leave with something. Absolutely. You know, I've got, I've got these Domino's Pizza sunglasses uh, that are always on the table. I've got I Love Domino's stickers that are always on the table. See, I've started to do hat pins for my Better Visits Today system that at the end of the class, they get a pin. And once they do the homework, they get the certificate at the end. But I see where you're going with, with the idea of giving them the prizes for participation, because I would assume to get that backpack, I've got to participate a ton if I want the backpack. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm you know, I'm either giving them stickers for their answers or I'm giving them points. And, and, and here's the other thing with the prizes is 
you know, if I send them on an eight minute and 37 second break, which they always laugh when I say eight minutes and 37 seconds. And do the same thing, nine minutes and 12 seconds. Yep. Absolutely. If somebody comes in and they're two minutes early and some of the room is in there, then I'll give points for the people that are in the, hey, if you're in the room right now, give yourself X amount of points so that I start to, I start to reinforce the expectations that I've sent, I, I, that I've set up earlier in the day, I start to reinforce it by rewarding them. It's very much a Pavlov's dog type of thing. Were you and I in the same training years and years ago? I don't remember the guy's name, the uh, Hawaiian sweatsh- uh, Hawaiian shirt guy. Yes. Where his thing was, um, it wasn't the time, it was the music. And yes. it was the same song. It was like a seven minute song yes. for every break. And yes. when the song ended, you had to be back. Yes. That's when the break was over. And same thing. You, you create that, that Pavlov dog that they know where the song is going to end. And he would increase the volume as the song got closer to the end. Right. Because we're all talking during the break and it's a nice way to stop talking. Yeah. And, and he would start to give, he would kind of Bobby McFerrin us. From previous episode listeners. You know, we were talking about this prize thing in, in, in show prep. And now that we're talking about it out loud, I don't know about you, but I do think sometimes because they work, but I really haven't thought them through. (laughs) And then as we start to talk about them, I realize that at some point, yeah, I really did think it through. And now I just do it because I know it works. And the prize thing serves a lot of purposes. And I went through a stretch a couple of years ago where I stopped doing it altogether for any number of reasons, but I've gotten back to it now. And I think that for guys like you and I, that you know, we've both got some, some just amazing clients that bring us back. And, you know, I was talking to Mike Simister from British Columbia. He's on the island. I'm just going to say the island, Mike. You can laugh. I know you're laughing right now at me because I've said it wrong 62 times. But Mike said, you know, people were asking me, Sam, this week, you know, why have you had him out three times? Because I've been out to Vancouver Island. There, I said, I got it right. Victoria on Vancouver Island. I've been out there three different times. And Mike said, you know, I send people to trainings and I'll get texts halfway through it. Why are we here? But every time you leave, my people say, when are you bringing him back? And I think these things that we're talking about, you know, you do the prizes to get the interaction. I don't do the prizes to give them prizes. I do the prizes so that they stay engaged so that they can go back to their stores and they can have more fun and they can do a better job and they can feel better about what they're doing. On a previous episode, we talked about revisiting Squawk and this is almost a revisit of Atomic Habits because you're setting up a cue, a behavior and a reward. At the end, they're going to get this reward and the cue is whatever, points for participation, points for being on time, Right. And the behavior is that they're actively engaged in learning. Sam, let's be honest. Occasionally people aren't actively engaged in learning, not by any fault of ours or theirs. Right. The baby kept them up at night. They just did an open close the day before. Right. There's so many reasons why they're distracted through a class. I wouldn't say occasionally. I I was trying to be nice, but yeah. I would say almost always they're not engaged. By setting up this cue behavior and reward, Again, without knowing it, because you've been doing it that way for, gosh, at least 15 years. And now I'm like, I, I don't know if I will do it for my 
supervisor classes where it's like me and five or me and six people because it's kind of tight and intimate and it's really hard for them not to participate because like I'm staring at them. So let me jump in there for just a second. I think you are doing a queue and reward system. It just doesn't have a trinket. Correct. Because if you're in an intimate setting with six people, which is an easier room to control. Much easier. Yes. But it can also be a harder room to control. Because if you're in a room with six people and you have somebody that is that overtakes, it gets harder to get the other five to come in. Whereas I think it's it's easier in a room of 15 to 20 to get everybody involved because more people are going to say answers that maybe aren't right. And it's our job to make sure we validate their answers and and be happier that they were willing to jump in and join the conversation than what they actually said so that they'll still be willing to join the conversation. So I think you have been doing it. You know, some of the best feedback I get from franchisees, this is the feedback I love the best, is they'll say, you know, I popped in and I've never, ever seen my team engage as much as they did when they were in that room. And I'm sure you get the same feedback because I've seen you in a room. You're good. You're really good. I say the same thing to the to the franchisees all the time. It circles back to the episode we talked before about squawk and full-fledged expectations. And I look at them and I say, I told them they were going to participate. And when they didn't, I reminded them and I didn't allow them to not participate. You know, if I'm doing a leadership workshop, the first time they don't participate, when I told them they were going to participate, I take like three steps to the side and I say, I'm going to step out of the presentation for just a second and let you know that you just learned your first leadership lesson. And that is do not set any expectations if you're not willing to hold the team accountable to the expectations you've set. So silence is generally bad for a podcast, but I like silence right there. Let that sink in for a second. Yeah. 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 Because that's, that's a powerful moment. You know, who's good at that? Mel Robbins. She'll, if, if one of her guests says something, she'll just say, I'm going to say this again, listeners, because you need to hear that. If you're, if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. She's amazing at that. Just a side note. You yeah. saw that I reached out to Mel oh, and yeah. I, I got a very nice response from her gatekeeper. Aww. And, uh, is it similar to the response I got from Patrick Lencioni's gatekeeper? Lencioni's? Len- I can, oh my gosh, I've forgotten how to say it. I think that the crux of the response was the same. Uh, but she did say that this is the funniest request I've ever gotten. Good job. And uh, Mel just doesn't have the bandwidth to do podcasts right now, but we'll put you on the list. To which I responded again and let her know that I'm very persistent and the easiest way to get me off of her back is to just say yes. Nicely done. So back back to our listeners for a second. You're an average listener and our average listener is probably a, a manager. Is that a fair way to put it? Well, first of all, we don't have any average listeners. We have above average listeners. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. The majority. How about this? The majority of our listeners are probably managers. Right now, they're like, I can't have a prize table in my store. They probably are. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I'm totally being a goofball and being silly, but just give me a second, William, that if I were a manager today and I were hiring you, Sam, and it was your first day, I would tell you that we have an on-time reward and 
for your first two weeks. You're on time for every shift at the end of the two weeks. We'll feed your family that night and you'll get whatever, two free pizzas in the side. I like it. Right. Because this new team member needs right away to know that timeliness matters. Hey, if you're not on time, you're not on time. The reward goes away. This isn't a, you got it almost. You got to be on time every day. Grand scheme of things, that's going to cost me $6 of food cost to build that habit. Right. So let me ask you this. Why couldn't you have a price table? You could. I'm just saying right now, most of the majority of our listeners are going, I don't have a price table. And I agree with you. I think they are saying that. And to which I would say, why can't you? A lot of our listeners know this because they were there, but I had the opportunity to speak to 500 crazy Canadians. And when I say crazy Canadians, those folks will take that as a compliment because they know they are. After the rally, we were quite possibly near a watering hole. And one of them was kind enough to take time out of their day and come up to Tim and I and start talking to us and tell us, you know, what they thought about our presentations. And they had very kind words to say. It was, it was super humbling. And so I looked at him and I said, you know, what's your position? And the manager said, well, I'm a general manager. And I looked at him, I said, you know, Tom Monahan has said since 1960 that that's the most important position in the entire company is the store manager. So I looked at him and I said, listen, I got one question for you. And he says, okay, what's the question? I said, if you were king for a day, what would you do differently in your store? And we had heard a fantastic franchisee. I think her name was Mitch. And she had talked that day about community and involvement and how important it was. And the manager says to me, you know, I'd want my store to be more like that store we saw today and do more community involvement. So I said, oh, that's a really good answer. I like that. I've got a follow-up question. What's stopping you? And the reason I tell that story is because I, I agree with you, Drew. I think a lot of people are saying, I don't have a rise table. What's stopping you? Why couldn't you have a prize table? Why couldn't you have little gifts and extravagant gifts and turn it into like, like the ski ball room at Cedar Point? If you're on time five days in a row, you get five points. And if you'd like to turn those five points in, you get a sticker. If you'd like to bank those five points and turn it into 10 points and you get a pair of Domino's Pizza sunglasses. And if you save them and turn it into a thousand points, you get a backpack with the company logo on it or, I mean, why couldn't you have a price table? You absolutely could. And I got to believe with the clients that you and I have, if these prizes were driving better behavior in the store that increased efficiency and got them more orders per labor dollar or per labor hour, excuse me, or more dollars per labor hour or whatever metric they're using to see that they're getting a return on that investment, I'm willing to bet they'll say, yeah, price tables are a really good idea. So between you and I, it's just us. No one's listening. That price table, if I've got 20 team members in the store, might cost, let's say I throw a backpack on, some free pizza cards, a couple stickers, to your point, sunglasses, a pair of domino socks, whatever. I may be looking at 150 bucks to drive behavior. And there's no guarantee that any of those things get picked anytime soon. Like it's, if I set it up correctly, that, that backpack shouldn't be gone in two weeks. It should take a while. Yeah, exactly. $150 investment to generate two or three months of good behavior. I don't know who wouldn't sign that check today. Well, listen, let's make it, let's make it stupid. Let's say the prize table is $1,500 worth of stuff. You and I did some online training and you talked about the cost of turnover. Pre-pandemic, 
$5,829 per person. That includes lost productivity, time without that person, marketing to, to hire them, the platform, your background checks, all of it. $5,829 every time somebody leaves your organization. So if we spent $1,500 on a prize table and it increased our retention by... Two people. By two people. It saves us $10,000 over the year. Dang. Listen, I'm, I'm not a mathematician, but I want to save $10,000. That's a pretty good save. And again, I think what's so important, $1,500 is a lot of money. I don't care who you are. If I'm a franchisee and I look at a $1,500 investment to get a $10,000 return, that's a very easy decision. If I'm a team member making $10 to $15 an hour and I see a prize table worth $1,500, I'm seeing the lottery. To have access to that table, all I've got to do is do what they've told me to do. Be on time, get customer feedback that's good, like like whatever those things are that get me points. I don't have to choose six numbers that are never going to come up. I just got to do my job. And a little bit more. Do your job and a little bit extra. I think we're onto something here. I agree. I am stunned that two and a half years of us talking through stuff, we have not broached the idea of prize tables. Now, I know that there are franchisees out there that do something similar to that where whether it's like corporate used achievers points where you could give achievers points and the team could bank it up. I don't think they're doing that anymore. And I know there were a couple franchisees who did friends first and had a whole point system that every time you did something, you got points and the points could lead to other things. Sure. So there's a couple examples of that from a franchise level, but I don't know of anybody doing it like what we're talking about here, which would be a couple things in the store. And I got to be honest, like in my head, I'm totally thinking like buying the fish tank and putting prizes into the fish tank in the office. I like it a lot. Plastic fish tank can't do glass. I don't do this a lot, but right here in the open in front of all of our listeners and everything, I'm going to disagree with you and say, I'm not surprised at all that we haven't talked about it. And this is why. And, and, and I, I, I think you'll get on board with us. Wait, wait, wait. You're disagreeing with me and you're saying that doesn't happen often. That is literally every episode of this, but continue. Oh, unfortunately, it's hard to argue <laughs> with you when you're right. This is why I think we haven't talked about it. It's because we're at a point in our career where we don't have to act like we know everything. And I think our minds are much more open now to learning things. And for me right now, you know, I just came from just an amazing couple of days with amazing leaders in Canada. And I got to hear a lot of perspectives and I learned a lot. There were not many people in the room that had more trips around the sun with the brand than I had in that room. I mean, I was, there were 500 people there and there may have been five people that had more experience than I had. And I would say, there were probably less than 60 people that learned more than I did. It's the mindset going in, right? Correct. You and I go to something and it's... What can I learn? Yeah, it's an open mindset. Like, yes. I, I fully know. I don't know everything. I know a couple, couple key things. And everything else beyond that is negotiable and malleable. Like I can, I, I can be swayed because I might not have thought of it. It might be something better. I, I use that example a ton when I'm in stores is pizza making. I don't know about you. I've changed the way I make pizzas probably every 18 months or two years. 
just because something happens or I see somebody or, or whatever. And so when I hear somebody like, Oh, I've been making pizzas like this for 20 years. Why? There should have been some point where you're like, I need to get a little bit better. I need to do this a little bit faster. Somebody did something better than me and I should steal that from them. Yes. I'm amazed that you and I haven't talked celebrating like this, where we could iterate on, wow, you could have a price table in a store and it wouldn't cost that much to do that. On the flip side, you could put a ton into it because the return on investment should easily be 10x whatever your prize table is when you do it correctly. That's going to be the key, right? Got to reward. And, and I would reward for new team members. I would reward for existing team members. And I get it, right? For some of you, are like, wow, the cost to run up. But oh my gosh, think of how powerful that is if your turnover goes from 100%, right? Where over a year, you get 20 team members. The next year, you'll have 20 different team members, 100% turnover. If you cut it down to 50, the amount of, of ability of your team more than doubles. And that's how you get those labor numbers. And that's how you get those service numbers. That's how more people want to join the team because people understand what their core function is and how to do it well because they're there. So yeah, the, the price table thing, I'm just amazed that we've gotten this far in and we just haven't talked through something like that. Well, we've talked through some pretty good stuff. We have. I see where you're going with that. And then, um, yeah. So let's wrap this up in a bow for the listeners. Uh, What's our call to action? What can they do to go out and make their stores a little bit better tomorrow than they were yesterday? Nicely done. Thank you. I would say the recap on my end would be look around at what your expectations are for your team again. And what is it that you're rewarding them with? Is it high fives? Are you making sure that whatever the reward is, is balanced against how hard it is and how long it took to get there? And, and if you're finding that the bigger things you're not generating a reward, then it's time to relook at how you reward your team. And I would start there. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think another thing that's really important for us to remember is that we shouldn't think about the rewards that would motivate us because we're not the ones we're trying to motivate. Yeah, it's not what's in it for, it is what's in it for me, but it's always titled wrong. It's actually what's in it for you. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that yesterday because we've talked about it before on the pod. And I don't know that I'm ever going to say with them again. I, I think I'm going to say what's in it for them because I can say with it. I don't know if I can do with wh- it. What's, with it good. What's in it for you? <laughs> That's right. That's uh, <laughs> Devo. Yeah, sorry, that was old. That's so old. Sorry. Well, you know. <laughs> Some might say I'm old, so old. So yeah, you know, maybe the first thing you put on the prize table is a box and a pad of paper. And that and that box says, what kind of prizes would you like? Wait, are you saying that our listeners don't know everything either? I, I am. And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. Um, while we've been talking here, I have booked a guest. And this guest is a former executive vice president from the brand. And the topic that I'm going to try to get him to talk about is uh, something he calls leadership from the inside out. I think that might be an amazing podcast. That is going to be legend. Wait for it. Dairy adjacent. Legendary adjacent. Great wrap up. Let's let's do something that's going to help us drive behavior change. And I think we both agree that a prize table could be that. Um, The other thing that might drive behavior change if we need to get behavior change in the upper levels is that um, if you're a franchisee listening, 
maybe you send your folks to some in-person training. An ice class that Sam and I are teaching in New Hampshire or in Ann Arbor or in Florida over the whole summer. We're traveling around. If you haven't heard, welcome to your first episode of the podcast because we've been talking about this for weeks now. If you haven't booked yet, go to trainwithbty.com. All three events are listed. You can register for the New Hampshire class. As we record this, we're at like 70% capacity. So we're almost out. So I'm afraid to actually push that at this point, because if you're listening, we might be sold out already. When you go to the website, it'll tell you if you're, if we're sold out or not, it'll say sold out right across the, the event. Um, but we've got the other two in Ann Arbor in August and in Florida in October. And Sam, we'd originally said Tampa, but I think we changed our mind. Where is it that we're going to do October in Florida? Uh, we're going to go see Mickey and we're going to do it in Orlando. Orlando in October. Bring your team. Fly them in. Do a little, you know, time with Mickey or a time at Universal. Two days of training. That's a good, that's a good time right there. And there's, there's a real chance that we may expand capacity for that Orlando one because of it being a destination. So, uh, you know, let us know so that we can, and we can plan accordingly and make sure that we have room for everybody that's going to want to get to this training because it's going to be amazing. And it's in October. So you've got a little bit of time, even if you're not listening to this right when this episode drops. So hit him with the website Green. one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, look at look at the two of us. Almost a well-oiled machine. Trainwithbty.com. That's trainwithbty.com. Scroll down to the events and pick the one you want to attend. I might say an oiling machine instead of a well-oiled machine, but you know that's yeah, we're just oiled. Yeah, that's about it at this point. Yeah, that's both of us trying to be stand-up comedians. So, gang, you have been listening to another episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training. Like us, follow us, send smoke signals, release the carrier pigeons do what you got to do send us uh, something on your socials that show us that you are actually subscribed and we will send you what was the most sought after pin at the canadian national rally and that's the drew and sam talk training pin that you can wear proudly to let everybody know that you listen to two goofballs that is 100 percent two goofballs that is correct. As always, I am Sam with Fowler Consulting. And I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. Gang, go out, sell more pizzas. And have more fun. That's all, folks. Bye-bye. Woo, see ya.